All right, we are continuing, or wrapping up actually, the message series we've been in called The Bible Unabridged. And if uh, you haven't been able to be with us for the last several weeks, I'd like to just recap. Our goal in this series has basically been to look at why it's so important not to edit out parts of the Bible, but to take the Bible as a whole and read it, soak it in, try to hear what God's saying to us. Uh, We want to understand uh, in this series how God's given us the Bible so that we can know who He is and how to live His way. So we've looked the first week at how uh, God's revealed Himself to us through the Scripture. He's the source of the Bible. It comes from Him. Uh, It's about Him. And we wouldn't know anything about God except for the fact that He's revealed Himself to us. And so the Scripture is uh, directly from Him. It's how we get to know Him. Second week, we looked at clarity. How the Bible becomes clear as we learn how to accurately handle it. And as we do that, we get clarity on life as well. Uh, Things come into focus. We understand what's important, what's not so important, and what to give our lives to. Uh, Last week, we talked about the expert. How God... Uh, himself gave us the Bible to provide an expert himself uh, and to give us an authority that we can rely on. God speaks to us through his word. As we get into it, it's not just a bunch of dead words on a page. It, these are the, the words from God that actually speak to our hearts and minds. And if we allow them to, they shape our thinking and are living in a way that really brings maximum blessing from Him. Uh, Today, uh, we want to pull some of these together uh, and show how the Bible gives us everyday instruction. The Bible helps us in every arena of life, every part of it, as we learn how to study it, how to read it for ourselves, and then pull out the applications for us. Now, if you're like me, you you only like to give your time to do things that are beneficial, that you enjoy, that add a tremendous amount of value to your life. Uh, If one of those is missing, sometimes you do that stuff like brushing your teeth. You know, brushing your teeth is not something for me that I get up and look forward to in the morning. But I know it's beneficial, so I, I put up with the... I think it's supposed to be two minutes. Didn't know if you knew that, but <laughs> supposed to spend two minutes on brushing your teeth. I'm personally not a fan of exercise. I I I actually despise just exercise for the sake of exercise. If it has a re- a purpose to it, like getting ready for a football season or a baseball season, something like that, I'm I'm okay with it. But just exercise, even though it's incredibly beneficial. You know, it's important to exercise, stay in shape. It's just not, it's not always enjoyable. I, it, for instance, I can't stand to run. And I, I know we have runners in the congregation here, and I apologize, but I just can't, I can't stand it. But I've learned that I need it. I need some kind of exercise, so I've, I, I walk briskly. And I've learned that I combine walking briskly with listening to a book. It's awesome. So now I actually, I not only it's beneficial, but I enjoy the, the stuff I'm listening to 
And I, I look forward to my walks. And I make more time for my walks because I know it's beneficial, and it actually is. It helps me. Secondly, I enjoy it. It's just time, just me and my headphones listening to whatever book I'm enjoying at the moment. And it's, it's really very, very helpful. Adds a lot of value to my day as I, as I do that. God didn't give us the Bible so we could just suffer through it. It's not why He gave it to us. So that we could suffer through reading it and trying to get our hands and minds and everything around it to understand what's going on. He, he, he didn't give us the Bible for that reason. As you gain skill in it, as you get into it and God begins to speak to you, you find out it's incredibly beneficial. And it becomes enjoyable to the point you begin to crave it. If, if you take the time to get it, it's, it takes some work to be able to keep going in the Scripture. You know, as you hear it taught, uh, we look at passages and often God uses those passages to really speak to, to your heart and my heart. He, he has something to say through them. Uh, as you get into reading it, to keep moving on into Scripture, you have to sort of learn how to handle it rightly. We talked about that uh, in the second week, how, how we need to, to look at that of this series. We, we dug into how to handle it rightly. But as you gain skill in handling the Bible, reading and studying, it becomes beneficial and enjoyable and you begin to crave it. So what you discover is that God gave us the Bible to help us to instruct us in every aspect of life. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Notice that it says breathed out. We've been talking about this. When, when we say that the Bible is inspired, we mean that it, his, He is the source. God is the source of the Bible. It comes from Him. He breathed it out. These are His words. So it's, it's breathed out. Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. From this passage, we find out a couple important things. That the Bible has its source and originates with God and it's incredibly profitable for every area of our life. It's, it's the source, it's the playbook that God uses to help us get ready to live our life. Incredibly valuable is the Scripture. This passage also gives us sort of an aerial map of what happens when you get into the Bible. It's, it's sort of like a you're looking... It, this is the other thing the Bible helps us do. It gives us God's perspective on things. So you kind of rise above them. You look down and you can see this process that God tends to take us through as we get into Scripture. It, I go through it all the time. This process that's described here. Uh, he instructs us. He teaches us. He reproves us. He corrects us. And He trains us in righteousness. This is a training cycle. That we go as you learn to get in scripture and you soak it in and you really try to understand what God's saying through it. This is a training cycle that God uses when we get serious about living the Bible. He he takes me through this 
consistently and almost constantly as I get into the Bible. And you get stuck. If you're trying to figure Jesus out and investigate what it means to follow Him, part of what it means to follow Him is get into the Scripture and let you, you put yourself under its authority and then you let God work in you through the Word of God, through His Bible that He's given us. This, this is very, very important. If you don't put yourself under the Bible, you get stuck in your walk with the Lord. You get stuck in spiritual growth. And so if you refuse to let it reprove and correct you, then you get stuck. But here's the training cycle. This is what it looks like, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Uh, first of all, we receive teaching. We, we see the path that we're supposed to walk on. The teaching in Scripture shows us that path. And you read it, you realize, oh yeah, I, I need to be kind, forgiving, loving. I, I, need to, I need to be discerning. I need to use discretion. So anyway, you get, you get into the Bible and it, it starts showing you the way you should speak and act. And then it reproves us. It shows us where you've gotten off the path. And this is what God does with Scripture. You get into it and He, he reproves you. Hey, you know what? You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. That was off. That was off base. It was off the path. And then it corrects us. It shows us how to get back on the path. It's another very valuable thing that we get from Scripture is not only does it reprove us and correct, you know, and, and um, show us where we're wrong, but it, God uses the Scripture to show us how to get back on the right path. And then it trains us in righteousness. It shows you how to stay on the right path. This is all there as you get into the Scripture. This, this is what happens. Verse 17 explains that this is the process that God uses to complete us and equip us for every part of life. Because Scripture has something to say about every aspect of our lives. And His will is made known to us through the Bible, what He wants in each of those areas of our life. And it's the Bible, as God takes us through this training process, that's how we get trained in righteousness. Righteousness just basically means doing what's right before God, what pleases Him. And so this is the process that He uses. Incredibly beneficial. Very valuable. But it seems really hard to get into the Bible and to make it a habit. I don't know about you, but I've struggled at times with getting into it. There are some common obstacles that we face, and I've faced all of these at times. Um, time is one of those. I'm so busy. You're, you're busy. When everything is urgent, when the tyranny of the urgent, we've got to get this done. The Bible is easy to discard. It's easy to set aside and not get into it. Because it does take some effort, some diligence to dig in. Laziness is another one. We, we have uh, to read the Bible and soak it in and try to understand it. It, it, it requires some hard thinking. And sometimes it's easy to just let it go. You know, Facebook, easier to understand than the Bible, frankly. And, and there's a lot of stuff on Facebook I don't want to know, okay? And I don't need to understand. Um, like, like some people keep it to themselves on Facebook. Um, frustration or confusion is another reason you might not want to get into the Scriptures. Uh, there are names in there that we can't pronounce. You know, like we're going to look at a guy named Epaphroditus today. You know, it actually translates handsome. 
<laughs> so, you know, but he's not called handsome. He's called Epaphroditus. We don't know what that means. It's, and so you get into it. There's names we can't pronounce, uh, cultures that we may not understand. We're not quite sure what's going on. And, you know, it's easier to cruise the Internet and find out stuff there than it is to get into the Bible. A final obstacle could be sin and rebellion, or sin or rebellion, or both, all of the above. If the Bible shows us what we're not doing right, it reproves us and corrects us. Uh, sometimes we just don't want to know. You know, just we sort of wall it off. We, we keep that out there. We don't, don't really want to get into it. Because we don't necessarily want to be reproved and corrected and straightened out. Um, but what happens is we, we have a real spiritual enemy who is trying to do everything he can to keep us out of the Scripture because he knows how important it is for us, how beneficial, and how we'll actually begin to enjoy it if we make it a habit of getting into it. We'll start craving it. And so he wants to do as much damage as he can, so he wants to keep us out of the Bible. Um, the battle rages. For me, when I try to pray or when I try to read Scripture, there's, it, there's a battle. Now, that, if that's going on with you, don't be surprised by that. That should be expected. That's what the Bible tells us. It's going to be a battle to do what's right before God. The things that we want to do, the right things, the good things, Sometimes we don't do those. The things that we know we should do, it's a battle to do those things. It, it's raging. Because we have an enemy. Now, I personally can relate to every one of these uh, common obstacles. Which is your main obstacle that you battle when you're trying to get into the Bible? Which, which is the one that keeps you out of the Scripture? Digging into the Bible is like mining for gold. I don't know about you, the gold rush, the whole California gold rush thing. It sort of captures my imagination sometimes. But those folks, because they knew that there was potential uh, reward at the end of all their effort to move out here, to go pan for gold, and to you know, face all the danger of living in those camps with the crooks and everybody in there, you know, then they go through the effort of doing something and then boom, when they found the gold, whoa, that was a lot of effort, but man, did it pay off when they discovered the gold, when they struck gold. That's, that's actually how Scripture is. As you get into Scripture... There's a, there's a lot of diligence. There's effort that you need to apply to getting into it. But boy, when you mine the helpful truth and you strike gold, whew, that is incredibly helpful as God speaks to us through it. Uh, if, if you want to become the person that God made you to be, it's well worth the effort to, to learn how to mine God's truth for you out of, out of the Scripture. And there's nothing like, I mean, hearing it, this is important, what we do. What we do is important every week. Come together, looking at Scripture together. We're all here. We're trying to learn. We sing songs of praise to God. Very, very important. But there's a point at which you're going to get stuck in your walk with God if you don't learn to get into the Scripture yourself. If you don't learn to mine the truth of, of God for yourself, then... Um, you're going to be weaker than you should be. 
as you deal with life. So that's why we're spending this whole series talking about it, because it's, it's incredibly important. Uh, today, we're going to do something interesting. We're going to do sort of a... You know, you ever see one of those documentaries called The Making of Star Wars or The Making of whatever movie it is, and you look behind the scenes? Uh, in the rest of this message, we're sort of going to do that because we're going to look at three basic questions to ask to get the most out of a Bible passage. And these are the questions that we ask as we get ready for the message. Because the message is just getting into Scripture, pulling out the key truths of it, that apply to whatever it is we're talking about. And then we try to put it together in a creative way to help make sense to you of what we're looking at for that day. So this is sort of a making of a message (laughs) kind of thing, for lack of a better term. And we're actually going to walk through a passage in a little bit together uh, just so you get a feel for how you do this with the Bible. But there are three questions. The first one is has to do with observation. Uh, What does it say? What does the passage say? And in this stage, you just read through a paragraph or a chapter of the Bible and you write down whatever you observe about it, whatever you see. You're not trying to interpret it at this point, uh, but you're just making notes of what you see going on there. Um, Over time, uh, you get good at this and you learn what to pay attention to, but you're just trying to observe it and trying to Uh, understand what it says. Second question is, what does it mean? That's interpretation. And so this question uh, has to do with the meaning of the passage. And we need to know what it meant to the writer that wrote it before we can determine what it means for us today. Um, Like any kind of communication, the Bible is packed full of metaphors and analogies and phrases that uh, allude to a a deeper meaning that don't always uh, mean what they sound like. For instance, if I were to say, I'm, you know, you're pulling my leg. Now, I don't literally mean that you're yanking on my leg. What I'm saying is you're kidding me. You're just joking around. You're pulling my leg. Well, the Bible has a bunch of stuff like that in it, but it's they're phrases that relate to another, another culture, and so we have to get into it to understand it. Um, another major key to understanding uh, the meaning of a passage is its context. We need to read what's before it, what's after it, other verses that talk about the same thing. But anyway, at this stage, when we're trying to interpret it, we're trying to grasp the meaning. And then finally, application. What am I going to do about it? That's the third major basic question that we need to ask of a passage. This is the end goal for all our Bible study. And it's it's the key to finding blessing in life because Scripture says we're to do according to all that's written in the Bible. And then we'll find success and prosperity as we do what pleases God. We'll experience His blessing. So this is very, very important. This brings us back to the goal of becoming complete and equipped for every good work. So we're going to dig into a a passage to figure out what this looks like right now. Uh, Philippians 2 uh, is where we're going to dig, 19 through 30. We're going to apply those questions to this. And if you're new to this, you're not going to 
be necessarily equipped to go back and do this and pull everything out of it. Uh, you may need some more instruction. You, you'll be able, as you learn to ask these questions, you can certainly try it and get something out of it. But there's going to be skill that you need to learn over time. We're going to have a sem- seminar this summer uh, about how to do this uh, in more detail. But I just want to show you what, what happens when you get into a passage of Scripture. And the fascinating thing is you can mine the Bible for years and there's always more you could get out of it. It's just it's, it's inexhaustible what you can get from Scripture. God has a way of speaking to us. Where, whatever level you're at, you know how a parent speaks to a toddler a certain way then you don't speak to a, a, an elementary school person like you do a, a child, like you do a toddler or a teenager like you do a toddler. They get offended. They don't like that. Well, God has this ability. Wherever you're at in your walk with Him, as you get into Scripture, He speaks to your level of understanding. And He he makes it alive. If you'll put the effort to get into it, He does this. But what we're going to do is look at Philippians 2, 19-30 together. We're going to dig in. Paul wrote this book when he was in prison. Um, He's an apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's imprisoned right now uh, for missionary work. He's writing to a church in Philippi that he started. Philippi was a city in Greece. And uh, he had started this church several years before he was arrested. Now, you can discover those kinds of things through that, like a study Bible. I mentioned the ESV study Bible. Or through the Bare Bones Bible Handbook. You can get your hands around this. kind of helps you understand the context. But basically, the part we're going to read is a thank you note for an offering that the church had put together for Paul uh, to help him uh, while he's in prison. So they, they were sending some, some money to him, and he was thanking them, or they sent some money to him, that he was thanking them. Uh, we're going to start in the middle of this book, and we're going to see how you pull things out of a passage. Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also, this is on the back of your listening guide in the program if you'd like to follow along and dig in as we walk through it. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. There's handsome right there. Uh, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So that's the passage we're going to dig into. You might be tempted to overlook this passage. If, if, you're, if you're going, well, this seems like a personal note, just a couple of side comments that 
Paul's making to this church. And you might be tempted to just kind of gloss over it. If you did that, you'd be making a mistake. There's some really helpful stuff in here. It's tempting to do that with some, some of Scripture to put it aside, but all of it, all of Scripture is, is helpful. It's profitable for us. So we're going to dig into it. Um, this is where the questions help us. They help us to mine things out of the Scripture. First, first set of questions. On the back of the listening guide, they're there if you'd like to take notes as, as I'm walking through it. The verse, the passage, and the questions are there. First questions, what, what does it say? There are three major things I see that's being communicated in this passage. And there's probably more. But these are the, the things that stood out to me. First of all, Paul has an extremely warm relationship with the Philippians. You can tell by his concern and his desire to see them again. Um, it's sort of like being separated from an aunt and an uncle that you really love. You enjoy being with them. You haven't seen them for a long time. And you just, ah, you just you know, want to want to hang out with them again. You want to get some time with them again. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. He's he's really concerned. He wants to visit them shortly. He really hopes to get out of prison and over to see them. Verse 25, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Now, this is one of the guys from Philippi. And look at the camaraderie, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my needs. So you can you sense this statement is oozing with camaraderie. And so... Paul has a very warm relationship with the Philippians. Second, he's sending two men to Philippi that he deeply admires. And he, he appreciates them. What is it that he admires about them? What is it? First of all, Timothy says, I have no one else like him. This, this guy is outstanding. Okay, he's genuinely concerned for your welfare, not his own, but for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Timothy is concerned for others and the interests of Jesus Christ. They're a priority to him. He's a valuable man. He's he's proven his worth. You know, Timothy's proven worth. He's not a guy that just talks. But he just he just does it. He 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 pro- he's he's a valuable guy to have around. So that's Timothy. Secondly, Epaphroditus. He says Epaphroditus is my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. He's cooperative. He's a team player. This guy this guy will pull together to get stuff done. Second thing he says he's risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He's courageous. This guy, when he gets behind a cause, the cause of Christ, he exhibits a ton of courage in what he's doing. And then third, he tells the Philippians to make heroes out of these men, like out of men like these, out of people like these. When Paul says this, we realize these are important qualities he's talking about. He says, honor men like these, honor such men. So next, we aim for interpretation. Those are some things we can see. We could spend a lot, of more, a, lot of, a lot more time digging things out. But that's what we can see for now. Second, interpretation. What does that mean? As you think it over, what's Paul doing here in this thank you note? He's, he's revealing the important qualities about these men. 
He's, he's showing us qualities that we should aim for and honor in other people. So there's a tremendous amount of instruction in seeing what's important to Paul and what's therefore important to God as he has Paul write this down for us. As you do a good job of observing and discovering what the passage is saying, often the meaning sort of jumps out at you. It becomes very apparent as you dig in. It it helps me sometimes as I'm observing to, to ask some questions like, in this passage, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change or adopt? Is uh, there a command to obey or an example to follow? In this passage, there's examples to follow all over the place. That's what Paul's giving us. He's giving us examples to follow. Timothy and Epaphroditus. And when you realize, what you realize as you read this is that he's giving the church some men to follow, some examples to follow, and he spells out the qualities that are important about them. Four qualities that you can pull out of this at least. There are probably others. Four qualities of a godly godly person that you see in this passage are, first of all, unselfish. They're genuinely concerned for others. Secondly, They're reliable. They have a proven track record. Timothy, his worth had been proven. Third, they're cooperative. They're team player. And fourth, they're courageous. They follow through and do what's needed even when it's risky. Those are qualities of a faithful guy. Now, the final question to ask has to do with application. What am I going to do about this? So, We've observed, we've interpreted, and then what I like to do is take away one, maybe two things, but one, as I study a passage for myself, if I, if I find ten things that I can do, I'm not going to be able to track those ten things. I try to kind of one thing that I'm going to do as a result of getting into this passage. Uh, my goal is to do that, and as I read through the passage as I'm observing and thinking about what it means, often the Holy Spirit, God Himself, will speak to me. And I'll know this is God's Word for me. And this is why it's so important to get into the Scripture and let God speak. Here are some possible applications you could take away from this passage. Um, First of all, I need to intentionally connect with people like Timothy and Epaphroditus because the people that I walk with tend to shape my thinking and my living, my, my, my doing. So I, I need to get with people like this. These, these are my guys. Could you scroll the screen up a little bit? Um, I, I should hold in highest regard men and women like this that have these qualities. Um, I should choose my heroes with the same lens that Paul was using in, in choosing his heroes in telling the, the Philippians to make heroes out of men like this. I should guard my heart from admiring men uh, that are going to take me, men or women that are going to take me and draw me away from God's truth. So this is very important. I learned, some, I learned kind of qualities to look for and admire in others that I want to grow toward. Um, I might look at the qualities and decide that I need to apply one of those. Maybe I need to take a step of courage this week, whatever it is. 
But I, I take the time to let God speak to me, observe, interpret, and then I write out an application. Something that I can prove that's possible. Something that I can understand. There are two good books to get better at this process. The best, most easy to understand book, I think, is called Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. Very, very helpful. Just this whole observation, interpretation, and application. Very easy to understand, easy to read, and you can begin to practice getting into it. Another helpful book is called Bible Study Methods by Rick Warren, 12 Ways You Can Unlock God's Word. Uh, so if you want to dig in a little, little more, there it is. Our goal in this series has been to look at why the Bible is so important, what it is, what God intends with it, how to get our hands around it, and why we should soak up the whole thing, the whole Scripture, and get it into our, aim to get it into our lives. Our overall, our overall hope for this series has been uh, that we'd all gain a deeper appreciation for the Bible and determined to get into it for ourselves. We wanted to give some handles, overview some handles. But the way it works is it's sort of like, you know, when, when you start using uh, a spoon or, or a knife or a... Well, you don't start with a knife, do you? I have a grandson. He's... Well, I have two grandsons. One's three. He's a little better at using knife and fork and spoon. I still don't know that they give him a knife. I can't remember seeing a knife in his hand. Um, but, you know, he, he's doing well with the spoon and the fork, okay? Uh, the younger guy, he's about 15 months, not so hot with that thing. A uh, little, little shakier. He, you know, they, you feed them and then you let them, you take a chance and you let them get the food all over them as they learn to eat. And some of it gets in their mouth and I guess that's pretty good. That's, that's actually how it is as we get into the Scripture, we, you know, at first, we're trying to learn how to handle it. But over time, you know, we can handle a steak knife. And we can, we can get some really meaty stuff out of the Scripture as we learn to soak it in and we learn to handle it rightly. So that's, that's what we want to, if, if you're new to getting into Scripture, we want to give you an overview. If you've been after it, just encourage you to stay after it. Because as you get into it, there's a tremendous benefit, a ton of value, and an incredible amount of nourishment. And if you don't learn to feed yourself, you're going to get stuck in your walk with God. Because it'll get stale. Because you're hearing what God says to other people and what they've learned. But as you learn yourself, it really strengthens you and, and helps you stand up to the life that God's called you to live. So the Bible's so critical for our growth. I, I just I don't want you to give up. I want you to develop a habit of getting into it. As the band comes up, I'd like to wrap up uh, the message by encouraging you to think through your next steps this morning. Um, we've suggested some next steps because this is the application part of what we're doing, the making of the movie. We we have some next steps. Um, one of those steps, now God may have said any number of things to you through the message. He also does that. You're reading a passage and then something comes to mind and He brings another passage or something to mind that sort of parallels what you're looking at. God, God works. He, he's free to do whatever He wants. But 
Um, here are some suggestions. My next step today is to read through a passage from the three basic questions for Bible study and practice. There's, there's a, an extra handout with the three basic questions on it in your, li- in your program. And there's some suggested passages that are really meaty and helpful for you. You could practice. Just give it a shot. Practice asking those passages, these questions, and, and try it for yourself. So that could be a next step. Um, another step would be to plan to attend How to Get Into the Bible for Yourself seminar this summer. Neil Walker is going to teach it here in Alhambra. Uh, it'll be in July. We don't haven't nailed down the dates, but that's, that's coming up. And then the third step... Uh, as Easter is coming up, next week's Easter, Alex is, is going to be, Alex Barrett's going to be here speaking as, as usual and uh, should be a really good time. We're going we're gonna to start a new series called Time for Change and we're digging into uh, God's part in changing us, which relates to the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. We're going to celebrate that next week. Then my part, our part, or my part, you and I individually, what do we do to cooperate with God as He sets out to bring change? And then our part, how does God use others to help us grow and change? So we're going to dig into that. A step could be to invite friends and family to Church and Valley for Easter next week. That'd be great. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth we have found in Your Word and how You have revealed Yourself through it, to us through it. And I pray that, God, you'd really encourage us to get into it, soak it in, and to hear exactly what it is uh, you want us to hear as we get into it each, each day and each week as we come together like this. Thank you, God. We, we praise you and honor you, and we, we, uh, we want to sing uh, and glorify your name. In Jesus we pray. Amen.